Hello, my name is Robert. I'm a podcaster. I make a lot of podcasts. That little dog that chases the covered wagon underneath the sink? That wasn't mine. In 2018, I was on the Kilt Beer Tour with Bert in Manchester, New Hampshire, to a meadery called Ancient Fire. Look for it. It's still there. That night, I tried a brand that for me redefined the word mead. I remember being knocked out by their exuberance, their raw power, and their punctuality. That brand was New Hampshire's now legendary Ancient Fire. One year after opening and twelve lines later, Ancient Fire is still going strong, and they've earned a distinguished place in Granite State history of one of New England's proudest brands. So, in the late fall of 2018, when I heard that Fire was releasing a new line called Much Higher Love, and was planning their first anniversary in almost one year to promote that line, well, needless to say, I jumped at the chance to make the documentary, the, if you will, medumentary, that you're about to hear. I wanted to capture the sights, the sounds, the smells of a hard-working meadery on the road. And I got that. But I got more. A lot more. But hey, enough of my yakking. What do you say? Let's boogie. Like all the best stories, Ancient Fire, Mead and Cider is a love story, and I'm delighted to be able to say that I am with Jason and Margot Phelps at their brewery. Jason, there's some background on your website about Ancient Fire, but I'd be delighted if you could give us your version. Certainly, love stories. This is my favorite kind of movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So it is, in fact, a love story because Margo and I are doing this together and it is most certainly a labor of love. And we obviously were interested in each other before we were interested in homebrewing and being crazy enough to start our own business. We actually just celebrated our 21st wedding anniversary. Oh, and we congratulations. Go 20, 23 years. And we started homebrewing after I was diagnosed and treated with cancer back in 2003. Margo asked me if I wanted to appreciate life a little bit more and work was really not her ideal way of doing so, <laughs> which is absolutely true. Uh, so I said I wanted to brew my own beer. And from there, I started getting interested in fermenting pretty much anything. And then uh, beer judge certification, that looked interesting. Is that how you, uh, how you met Bert as well? Or? Uh, yes, actually. We met him through the Brew for Your Die Homebrew Club. And I think that Brew for Your Die, for me, is really the tipping point for setting us in this direction. Okay. Because you met so many other people that were so passionate about what you were passionate about. And they it's kind of like when you find your tribe, you find your tribe. Mm -hmm. um, and they definitely were our tribe, um, including Bert. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's a crazy tribe. Yeah, that's an interesting <laughs> tribe. I'm not sure we can get certified as, as a family. <laughs> but it was really a group of people that were very interested in not only finding their own way in homebrew, but helping others and providing feedback to people who had done it for a really long time 
were willing to share their tips and their secrets. I think that to us got us more involved in the craft beverage community because we had people from Brew Free or Die, like Bert's actually in the industry. Yes. Um, Lisa and Rob North own Great North Outworks. They're in the industry. Michael and Bernice Fairbrother are members of our community, our, our club. So it kind of naturally was like, oh, well, this seems like there's almost a path here. <laughs> Right, um, it suddenly started to develop in front yeah. of you. The, Correct. Wait a minute. Yes, like there's a, there's a road here where you can take that leap, and we were seeing people in our club that were taking that leap and doing it successfully, and also very encouraging to us to to take that leap if it was something we're interested in. And you're in a slightly different portion of the market in being mead and cider as opposed to the explosion of craft beers that they've been in, particularly around here, that I've noticed. Yes. I mean, I, we actually tell people, the reason why we didn't choose beer is that my beer is not as good as the other people that I knew who made beer. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I was readily willing to admit that. If I want good beer, I know who to call. And you I call just, Rob North, you get robust vanilla porter for your wife. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> call, call Paul St. Hodge and get, and get swipe right from Backyard Brewery, absolutely. And so it was it was logical for us. We had spent more time by the time we found Brew Free or Die fermenting other things. We brewed a lot of beer, but we kept fermenting a lot of other stuff. And I remember bringing some of that stuff to early meetings and being so happy that it was so well received. People wanted to try something different. And there were people that had made wine, were making wine, certainly making mead and cider. But there was not as much of it as there certainly is now. Mm-hmm. But people were welcoming to it and getting feedback on things like a bottle of strawberry wine that I mean, we had gone out into the field and picked all of the berries. And people were like, oh, my God, this is really good. Like, what, what is this? Like, this is fresh fermented strawberries. <laughs> and people were like, oh, okay, no kidding, because, you know, you, you worked for it. It was, it was worth it. And stuff like that kept propelling us to try new things. And I was using honey. I was using honey as a sugar that in fruit wines, mm-hmm. but had never really thought about things like the proportion of the honey to the other fruits. I had never heard, well, I'm sure I'd heard the word mead, but I hadn't really ever thought that much about it, you know, and, and it being potentially 100% fermented honey or that and a mix of fruits, but a dominant honey character until I just did it. And somebody said, oh, you made mead. That's pretty cool. And I had to ask, what, what did I do? <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on here. And then I realized I could could kind of add that to the repertoire as well as amp up the honey, dial down the fruit, other sugars, you know, and, and make something completely different. Because my first experience of mead was many years ago in the UK, actually on a holiday in Devon, where it was the liqueur mead, the much thicker, richer, syrupy, almost overwhelming, uh, even in small amounts, the way that it just hits the senses, whereas this is... You still get a sensory rush, but it's not the same robust punch. Absolutely. I mean, and we have a sample in front of us that I think is a perfect example of that. It's blueberry blossom honey fermented to 7% alcohol. So there's not a lot of honey to start. A a minority of it compared to some of the the dominant high ABV, you know, high residual sugar sugar styles. Um, But this I actually, and I, I mean, I think Margo and I agreed as soon as we took a sip of it a few minutes ago. The honey character is extremely dominant in it, mm-hmm. but it's so smooth and so light and so drinkable. It, it is actually asking for some attention, which for a lighter beverage like this sometimes can be problematic because I don't necessarily want it demanding a ton of people's attention because that keeps it fun and casual where you're, you're drinking it with your friends by the pint. And mm-hmm. you know, whether it's here, another you know 
retailer or at home because you've taken a growler home. But I think people are going to find this one fun because it does have that honey character and they can really experience it, but it isn't overwhelming. It, 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 it is not thick and sweet on top of maybe a, a potent aromatic profile. It's, it, it actually lightens the whole thing up going, oh, this is actually fun to drink. <laughs> That's what I found because of the, the range of meads that you've got and having tried a flight with the other guys when I was here the very first time. The sheer variety that you're getting in it, there's a one that's almost gone, your Lone Star Lemonade that you flavored with raspberries on top, and it blew me away. And I was thinking I would come in and get my regular growler of the one we're going to talk about in the minute, high or low. And then I've got this little half one that's like, yeah, I'll get a half of something else in there and, you know. No, I had to buy another full growler to go along with that one. <laughs> yes, it, it certainly demands a bit of attention. That The raspberries are so fresh and so aromatic. The lemon's not a slouch there either. You don't have to hunt for it, but it's also not. It doesn't come, come off in a, in a strange kind of way. And it just has that fully refreshing tart finish where you, you're, it's, it's liquid fruit, but again, not mm-hmm. sweet. It's not kind of dripping all over the place and, and making you realize in a little while you're going to have a stomach ache because of how sweet it is. <laughs> so it, it has been so well received. We're almost out of it, and it'll be definitely go down as the fastest sellout that we've had. It'll probably be gone by the time this podcast goes out. I would guess that that's probably true. Um, we've already prepared the answer for anybody who says, well, that's not fair. That's not right. We have so many new releases. Summer's not over yet. We mm-hmm. have a ton of summer seasonals that we're going to do, both in the meat and the cider way. Come by, yeah, the one you just heard about might not be here, but we'll have something that's really, really exciting that should be similarly enjoyable. Yeah, and that probably hits. I like the fact that Jason's done, because he obviously makes the mead and he curates Mm -hmm. the tap list. And I think he's done a really good job of making sure that if we're taking one off or we're getting rid of one or we're running out of one, that he is going to have one on deck soon that hits a similar flavor profile. So to me, it's funny, like the one we're going to talk about in a moment, Higher Love, is uh, the Lone Star Lemonade hits that that tart sweet like spot the same way that Higher, Higher Love hits that. So I think he's done a really good job of making sure that it's like, well, we, you really, yeah, you missed out on that one, but this one kind of hits that same level. Well, let's take a moment then to talk about the higher love because the first time I tried that, I, it stopped me. I like this one a, a, a lot to the point that I have to cut it down with, with cider to, to make it last. <laughs> to make it last. I, I have found the ratio that works for me. That sounds and, awesome. And I can make it last. I can make a growler almost last a week. Almost. And it, it qualifies in this one because you... Not only do you use passion fruit in this, you also use some hops. So, right. so that was my, my buy-in to be able to go, I can get them. It's hopscotch. I can get them right. for this. Tell me about it. I, what goes, what went into it and what was your thinking behind it? Because a honey mead, passion fruit and hops is not a combination that came intuitively. Uh, and, I, and I think up until I was reviewing the show, the show uh, notes to, to see this question, I don't know that Margaret and I had actually consciously reviewed what it actually was. Food and drink in Jamaica. Yeah, that is true. So okay. they have 
a lot of, of juice and fruit infusions in various forms in cuisine in Jamaica, depending on where you go, from something as simple as you get the passion fruit in a soda. Mm-hmm. Then you have it with jerk chicken, and you've got this spicy, you know, very counterpunch to the, the passion fruit. So we've done that, and then we've done I, what I would say would fine dining at some of the resorts that we've actually been to, where you have preparations of various things, where you have these exotic fruits paired up with dishes that have salt, vinegar, you know, all kinds of other flavors with them. There was this versatility that passion fruit brought for me. I started buying a passion fruit juice that comes out of Mexico, mm-hmm. um, the concentrated juice, and we would make juice from it and just drink it because it tasted good. And for some reason, I, over the years with, with hops, you know, I enjoyed smelling them. And one day I just kept smelling the hops and I don't know if I was smelling passion fruit or I was smelling something that made me think of it and, and just think back to it. And I just immediately knew that these two flavors have to be smashed together. There's something going to happen here that was fun. Now, was it a particular hop that you were smelling? Because there's, and the, oh, yeah. you talk about just hops, but there's so many different yep. hops that, was it a particular one in there? The, what I eventually seized on, yes. So I made this hop passion fruit both in, let me see if I get this right, in 2016 and 2017 as a home brewer. In 2017, we actually made it five times because we were piloting the recipe kind of pre-release here, but it also would disappear really fast because it was good and, and people found what you came to find with it here is, holy crap, this is good. Can I have some more? And Please. Then, yeah, exactly. And then we were out. So the first year, I think I used, I want to say I maybe used Citra, or maybe something like mosaic and and the hop was a little overpowering for me so the second time i made it i had some peco hops so the homebrew club brew for your die had had a hop competition so one of our club members had organized um, a group of folks around this and had gotten some hop samples of peco hops and i think they would have come from the 2016 crowd and they had this awesome cucumber lime kind of mint profile to them and I thought it was very complimentary in a nice subtle way to the passion fruit letting the passion fruit dominate but giving you some things especially in the finish where there was some lingering hot flavor so we used that and we used those exclusively all the way through last year then we used them again here and guess what they're 2017 and they're not the same (laughs) so this isn't exactly what was originally delivered before so while I had intent I didn't necessarily get to that here but the result was no less enjoyable. It was just, it was different. The hops, at least initially when we first put it on top, were way, way more potent than they are now. And I'm not confident that they were actually working really well. Um, So it was nice to know that it could sit for a little while and the hop aromatics would mellow in the way that they would, which brewers hate because they want that forward freshness Mm -hmm. and their, you know, IPAs. You know, these, these hazy, late-in-the-boil, post-boiled, super dry-hopped IPAs, they want that. I was actually looking for it to mellow out, so I'm sure I wouldn't have made any friends if I called Brewer. Hey, do you guys do anything to mellow out your hops? Because everyone would have been like, why would you want to do that? So when I make it again, I'm actually going to need to do a little bit of hop 
trial. I'm going to have to go search and see if I can find PECOs from somewhere that have that profile or potentially find another hop that has what I remember because I would love to try it again because I, I think it would be that much more enjoyable because it was in, intended in my head to be like that. So is this working with just dried hops or is this working with pellet hops? So these would be pellets. Okay. So we, you know, we'll, we'll find them and then just kind of dose them like a, you know, like a dry hop to a, to a very limited degree. Um, hard-earned experience there for anyone who's thinking about doing it. You can overhop mead really easily, and it sucks when you do because you usually can't drink it. <laughs> so it's a word to the wise. Don't overhop your mead. Um, so I probably would check and see if I could find some hops. And maybe I wouldn't use them all exclusively like that. I might actually do something like blend the two versions of the Peco, the one that has the stuff in it that everyone is experiencing now, with some that had what I was looking for before to create something that has an even more refined you know, experience with all the attributes to it. So, but cucumber, lime, and mint sounds interesting up against passion fruit, but it worked so well. And it's I interesting because we've had a lot of people that come in and I laugh because it, it, they come in and they're like, I don't know if I want to try any of those hop meads. I don't like hops. I don't like the flavor of hops. It's not my thing. I don't like beer. And I always say, you know, give it a, give it a try because we don't, we don't boil the hops. Um, we use the hops differently, so you're not going to necessarily get that bitterness. You're going to get like the aroma and the flavor, and nothing makes me happier than when someone who is like adamant that I I hate hops, and they try Higher Love or Leaping Off the Ledge or Hipster, and they're like, "Oh my God, this is really good. This is," and they'll pick out something that's specifically the hops, like Leaping Off the Ledge. They'll say. Oh my God, it's like, it's like grass is being mowed right next to me and I'm outside <laughs> and I'm sipping it in the sun and I'm like, and that would be the hops. Um, right. So I, they didn't know they liked hops. Yeah. And I came into it as a complete hop head. You've got an IPA and you put more hops in it. I still think there's room for a few more. <laughs> You're <laughs> not alone. <laughs> I know that my palate has been headed in that direction so yeah. that a lot of beers that I used to enjoy just feel way too malty now and heavy and I just want more of that side of it and so initially I was expecting something that was going to be a lot hoppier but it wasn't and I was happier with the result that you did produce yeah people who really like hops like higher love people who really hate hops like higher love <laughs> people who have never had hops like higher love so i mean for beer drink it's funny for beer drinkers i call our all our hop session meads i call them gateway meads for beer drinkers because <laughs> there will be people who come in like i don't like meads i'm like thing i don't like mead and i'm like what do you drink i drink beer and here you go and they leave with a growler that's a pretty awesome feeling too i mean that's why hipster was gone in five or six weeks i mean we used mosaic a hop that people are very familiar mm -hmm. with we basically took two flowers we took the hop flower and the hibiscus flower and smashed them together with some honey and people just got it because it was tart but it had this really awesome aroma of, of floral but also fruity where you got the, the mosaic fruitiness out of it and still you know you get some of that dank concentrated potent character from mm -hmm. it. it holds up against the hibiscus because that's another dominant aroma and flavor if you use enough of it and people were absolutely blown away they weren't they had no idea they were going to like it at all and and of course then they do and, and they're like okay but then there's a second one so now they're trying to hire love and then they circle back to leaping up the ledge because they got to try the other hop one now because the other two were really good, and now you've got something that's basically hopped lemonade. And they're looking at them and their friends going, wow, this is crazy. I would not have expected this to work that well. 
and we used a couple different hops with unique citrus aromatics to them to mm-hmm. kind of drive that point home about it being lemon-based. And it was really, really fun to see people's initial reaction to that, not expecting that the combination of hops and mead, no matter what else was in it, was really going to work. The Hopscotch Podcast is sponsored by Burt's Better Beers. Burt's Better Beers is located close to Exit 9 North off I-93 in Hooksett, New Hampshire. They have a large selection of international, national and local beers, ciders and meads. Cans and bottles are individually priced so you can select your own beer tour. Tell Burt you heard about Burt's Better Beers on Hopscotch. I expect you'll get a smile that is never far away. You can call Bert's at 603-413-5992 or visit them through their Facebook presence at facebook.com slash Bert's Better Beers. Also follow Bert on Twitter at twitter.com slash Bert's Better Beers. Their opening hours are Tuesday to Friday, 10 to 8, Monday and Saturday, 10 to 7, Sunday, 11 to 3. Burt's Better Beers, stimulating the economy, one beer at a time. We've got more to go. I've got a hop, I've got a freezer full of hops and you know, we, we just got to figure out what to do next. We got a little bit of growing pains in the next couple of months. And then the experimentation is probably going to be back to rolling out. We could do a single hop series. We could do a leaping off the ledge sort of showdown where we could just use a bunch of different versions of that same recipe with individual hops. Mm -hmm. Some of the ones that we got, the aromatics on them will be so distinct, you won't think it's the same beverage at all. You wouldn't think it was the same recipe merely because the hops alter it. It's one of the things that I've also noticed as well in in brewing. Although the recipe looks simple, it's the delivery on it that is so nuanced yep. um, and you, you can start off with the same basic ingredients and depending on the time that you cook them for the, the boil when the hops go in how the hops go in do they all go in at the beginning and then you get one sort of meh thing or do you put them all in at the end and you get a different sensation or do you just layer them in all of that makes a difference off the same basic what four or five ingredients right I mean, and our hipster actually did have some boiled hops. So it did actually have, um, so it's a hop stand. We took a honey and hot water mix, boiled it, turned the heat off, threw the hops in at that point, took the hops out, and then put the hibiscus in. And people have asked, well, why did you do that one differently? Leaping off the ledge doesn't have that. I said, because the actual slight hop bitterness, sort of maybe a wheat beerish kind of profile to it in, in the amount of it, really helps the hibiscus pop. Because mm-hmm. the hibiscus is tannic, and I'm and I'm putting a little bit of the bitterness with the tannic, so I'm trying to partner something with it that stretches the tan the tannins out in a way that makes them less harsh. It, believe it or not, the bitterness actually delivers a, a a more complex hibiscus experience. And some people look at me, how do you know how to do this? Because I tried it at home, <laughs> and it goes so it goes back to the homebrewing. I tried it at home, it failed. It's failed before. I mean, these these projects have unequivocally failed plenty of times. Going into starting Ancient Fire, we actually used that as an advantage, and we told people that much. 
I had learned how to screw this stuff up really, really easily. And I'd spent 15 years figuring that out. So we weren't actually as worried about what recipes are we going to start with? How are we going to make them? Because we knew. We knew we just needed to scale them up. Right. It was the scaling that brings out a lot of additional challenges, though. It certainly can. Thankfully, we used our network leading up to launching here to find some people who had done this and done similar types of things to find out where they ran into scale problems. And we didn't have any except on higher love. <laughs> that was firmly the passion fruit. It just it did not scale. We used the same product. It was actually a, the last one we ever made at home was a sample of the exact product that we got to do this. And we did it on the homebrew scale and it worked well. Beautifully. Well, it was good. Yeah, we looked back and we realized that there was a sedimentation issue with some of the passion fruit, but it delivered such an amount of the flavor that we were excited with with the result where we weren't really paying attention to it. And it wasn't as notable at five gallons. You magnify that by 40. Mm-hmm. You start looking at a pile of sediment going, oh, okay, that's actually a lot bigger than I thought it would be. The loss at home was not as noticeable as it was here. And we ended up you know, having to, to play with it a little bit. And it resulted in higher there were two versions. The first version was was definitely vastly different. Um, more hop aggression. People liked it. Some people didn't. Most people didn't. It gave me heartburn on one sip, and we heard that from patrons. And I mean, at, at that one point, of my coworkers from my day job called it a passion fruit punch to the face. Yeah, so and it was a lot of passion fruit. And we have and we have some on tap. Yeah, I mean, so we have some in kegs, and we will put it on tap. There were some people who would swear by it. And so we kept some of it around and, and we'll, at some point, you know, as we're seeing higher love, you know, batch one, Wayne will probably put on the feeling the love, which was the original version of it and kind of do the side by side again for people just to say, Hey, you know, as a cool, cool capstone to having done this when we first launched and asking for your feedback between the two versions, let's run these two versions out, you know, and, and say goodbye to them because only one's coming back. We, we know what one it is. We, it's the one everyone's drinking right now, and everyone absolutely loves it, and that's what we'll make. Spoiler alert, it's the one you like. Yeah, exactly. It's higher <laughs> love, everybody. <laughs> there's no there's no secret there. So I and, would say, though, when it comes to asking him, because people ask that a lot in the taste room, like, how do you come up with these flavors, and everything's really varied. Like, there's we have some pop stuff. We have, I mean, technically, fruit, Cruising spice. Elm is a pine mint. It's a session pineman. Mm-hmm. And I said from the beginning when we were talking about, well, he was convincing me to uh, to open the business, um, that I think the best weapon we have is he's never just fermented one thing. Like, he's fermented everything. <laughs> and a lot. So he knows what happens when you use a wine grape and it goes wonky. He knows how to fix that because it's happened. He knows how all the different types of varieties of hops and how to use them. He knows all the varieties of honey and how to use them. He knows, you know, he's made cider. He's made apple wine and had it explode. So I think... <laughs> yep. I, I tried to do, for confessions, I tried to do a rhubarb thing at home. And that blew the assembly right off the top of the fermentation vessel. Oh, it did. And buried rhubarb into the ceiling. Oh. Yep. We've done that with coconut. Uh, several other stouts. Yeah, I've had countless foam overs because we have some processes where we actually have to manually degas the batch. And mm-hmm. if you don't do it effectively, and then decide to put your dried nutrients or other additives in right away, you, you get a uh, an awesome process called nucleation. It's always a good piece of trivia to see if people know what that is. And uh, it's pop rocks and soda basically. Mm-hmm. And pop rocks and soda out of a six gallon carboy 
with your precious wine or meat <laughs> or cider in it is definitely an experience that you will have to live through. And if you live through it and don't give up, you'll probably be all right <laughs> because it happened too many times. We've, you know, we've found things that have carbonated long after they were bottled, didn't pop corks, didn't, you know, break bottles, but you open it over the sink and it's all over the place and you get one teeny little sip. Sometimes it's good and you're like, oh, okay, that sucks because every single bottle is only giving up an ounce and sometimes it's horrible and you're like, all right, get them all, dump them. The apple, the <laughs> Let's take them outside wine, and dump them out. The apple wine was my favorite though because how we discovered that was we were going, <laughs> we were driving to a friend's house for something and our dog, our dog Pete, our Jack Russell um, was in the back seat and the wine was kind of like in the seat next to him and all of a sudden we hear something. And we hear the pop, and we didn't really realize what it was. And we turn around and we look, and Pete had this look on his face like it was not me. It was that was not me. There was me. a cork sitting right in front right of him in front on of the him. seat. He's like, I don't know how this got here. I didn't do it. So, so that was funny enough. But we actually forgot that we had given a bottle of it to my brother um, up at his vacation home in Vermont that he didn't go to all the time because we had told other people that we remember we gave it to like like get rid of it, dump it. It's gonna it could explode. Like it's not good. Um, and they, I, I texted him, he texted me and he's like, so that wine you gave us, I'm like, uh oh, so I knew it was coming and it literally had exploded in their wine, like carrier. And then all over shelf, the tile in the all kitchen. All over the tile in the kitchen, all over the I kitchen. I guess the cork was about eight feet away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was probably one of our, our better ones. Yeah. That's yeah, Better disasters. Absolutely. Yes. Definitely had plenty of, and yeah. those are learning tools. We've told people that. You, you can get away with never having that, but you, you probably, you're probably missing something. You're probably, you're probably lacking a certain confidence through adversity that you wouldn't otherwise have. It needs a little adventure. Yeah, definitely. And we've, we've certainly had them. And, you know, we've been lucky here. First batch of me we were working on, the first time we went to degas it, I, I didn't close the valve and took the, the, the pump off the bottom. I mean, <laughs> half a gallon on the floor. And out of 200, that, that's a small penance, you know. And what do I say about that? Yeah, yeah, Jay did it. Yeah, I go, it had it to happen. It was better him than me. Yeah, yeah, I go, if it had to happen to someone the first time, I'm glad it was you and not me. Because yeah. if I do it, you really can't say anything. <laughs> yeah, so that hasn't happened again. No. And, but we've, I've had some other messes. And, and you know, so we, we've taken that experience here. And, and nobody I've ever asked said they, that never happened, that any of these things have never happened to them. So the fact that we can laugh about it means that we're learning from it here and we're tightening up the process and, and hoping that we're not spilling product on the floor on a regular well, basis. I wanted to circle back just on that point. I mean, because you talk about learning experiences, but I mean, you're learning here for yourself, but you've also been teaching in a few places. That's true. Uh, so along the way, as I mentioned, you know, blogging, um, got certified as a beer judge. So that was a, it was a huge experience for me, an immense amount of studying. I want to say like 18 months of studying probably by the time I was done with the last exam where I've gotten to the level I'm at now, which I could advance further for, for, for sure, but time is what I lack at this point to be able to do it. Uh, but I, I subsequently got certified as a me judge as well and went through another round of studying there. And once I got to the point where I could really leverage that information in teaching other people um, to help out with local competitions, so great, um, um, Brew Fear Die does the, um, the New England, New England Regional Homebrew Competition, and then um, 
Michael Fairbrother and, and uh, a group of folks from his uh, uh, company, Moonlight, and others have put on Me Free or Die over the years. We need to mint new judges, and we can't always expect people have gone through the training and gotten certified, so we need to teach them. So once I had gotten to the point where I was comfortable with that information for myself, I, I was able to turn around and translate that into a series of presentations that I've done for groups of judges uh, for both competitions to help um, prepare new judges for the for the mead side of the house because it was growing so fast. I mean, in a lot of ways, our club was the one fueling that because we were all competing against each other because we were making a lot of mead, but we all needed to learn how to judge it. And I told people right out of the gate, your incentive is it helped me make better mead. So you know, get on the bus with this and, and you know, you're going to start chasing the same dream I had, which is you can turn this knowledge into real, real, um, you know, useful changes in what you're doing. If you turn your skills against your own me at home, mm-hmm. you know, you don't need anybody else to necessarily tell you a lot of things you can figure out yourself. So that's translated into classes. I've done some work with uh, Musto Grape Company down in Hartford and Winemaker Magazine. So I've actually been, uh, columnist and a panelist for them I want to say going back to 2011 I think and this year I actually did my first solo presentation on mead making at their annual conference in San Diego I had over three dozen people in the room it was one of the most interactive sessions that I had ever had on mead a lot of curious people with a lot of awesome questions it was just a lot of fun to share you know what we were doing and we shared the recipe that leaping off the ledge was based on and people thought that was great to see what what is what are you serving like, what, what's the recipe look like for something you're serving? I said, we're just using an upscale version of this. This is literally what this recipe is. The proportions are exactly what we're, we're using. And so you can make this hopped lemonade for yourself at home. And that was so fun to see people's eyes light up going, wow, that's actually really simple. It is. And learn. And if you learn how to do it, you can turn around and just stuff in kegs in your kegerator just like I did. <laughs> and that's where it started. I mean, five-gallon kegs of it at home, 20... Late 2015, early 2016, we started looking at the lower ABV carbonated meads. Um, and I've written an article for one, uh, Brew Your Own Magazine about it mm-hmm. um, because there are some interesting things to keep in mind about this mead compared to other styles. When you take a look at the recipe and really understand how it's going to execute, you're, you're going to reach dryness. You're going you're gonna to definitely deal with things along the lines of thin body. I mean, people love beer and craft beer has so much body in some cases um, even for beers that are relatively light and that's all that unfermentable malt sugar that people don't really understand is sugar mm-hmm. because it doesn't taste sweet but it is in fact a complex carbohydrate starch that you're tasting and it gives it that thickness these session meads don't have that they don't they don't have it until you do something with them they can be very very light I don't think you could mistake it for water, but sometimes it's pretty close. <laughs> you know, it is mostly water anyway. So, you know, that that has been both a learning experience, but I've immediately translated into education because people are hungry to learn how to do this. Because who doesn't like a refreshing glass of, of low alcohol mead, right? Right. And I have found that as the weather here in New Hampshire has started, the temperatures are climbing, the my palate has pivoted to desiring something I hadn't realized that this was what I wanted until I tried this and went, yeah, that, lots of that. Absolutely. You know, and that's, we, we started with these in essentially the off season for it. So by the time spring came in 2016, we'd already started to kind of develop a bit of a a capability for it. Summer 2016 and more so summer 2017 were absolutely the highlight of 
our prototyping for these meads before we were opening Ancient Fire because we found that most of the ones we were doing, any of the, f- the fruit and lemon, uh, hopped in lemon, uh, some of the lighter spiced ones like a lavender, um, ginger um, works all year round, but you know, you use it the right touch, that's pretty, that's pretty good and, you know, when it's nice and hot because it can be really refreshing and have that really cooling, refreshing um, aspect to the spiciness. So the last couple of summers have been a hell of a time, you know, when sharing this stuff, taking kegs places, you know, I got to take a five gallon keg somewhere to a friend's party and we know it's coming home empty. And that was great because we, we had, we had a container of some kind of meat, you know, being able to share it and just get that immediate feedback where people were like, Oh my God, I just drank three huge solo cups of this. This is so good. Yeah. That actually happened at, um, so MHP and Doc Jones, who own and run Limited, Leatherman's Limited up in Concord, mm-hmm. uh, Jason had volunteered with them quite a bit um, when, before we got the space here. Uh, very nice of them to let him do that because a lot of our equipment's the same, and it was kind of a training for him. But he was also helping them out and working the tap room. And uh, so they had a big barbecue at um, one of their houses to thank their volunteers. And they said to Jay, they're like, well, we're going to have, obviously have Leatherman's there. Why don't you bring you know, some growlers of your homebrew and it's a good opportunity for you to like share it with other people. They're very gracious. And so we brought, I don't think they knew what they're asking for. A three gallon keg yeah. of, of the, the hot passion fruit. And um, we left and it was gone. Uh, it was, and to your point, it was probably like today, it was around 85 degrees outside. His yard was mostly sun and it was funny because people were going up to them and they were like, what, which beer is this? Like, what beer is this? And they're like, that's not ours. It's not <laughs> and it's beer. not a beer. <laughs> what was really awesome is that they had misguided Angel on tap and I could drink that all afternoon because yep. I had more of the hot passion fruit. <laughs> <laughs> so I was drinking their beer going, hey, thanks for the beers, guys. So, I mean, it, experiences like that have been fun. You know, when you see people hovering around the cooler that has your little mini keg with the, the picnic tap on it and Bert yells over, hey, this is almost gone. I'm like, well, what do you want me to do? I'm not going to get another one first of all my wife's driving uh, and she's definitely not going in so you know it it, so we you know we had a lot of fun with that and we've had people ask a lot of people ask there are a lot of new meteries that are going to be opening um i don't need a crystal ball for this because i i know through connections in the industry you know that they're everywhere everywhere every region of the country there's at least a couple of groups of people right now that are that are in the process of filing the paperwork or reacting to licenses that haven't been granted and doing build out and all the stuff that we did and we're all talking to each other and that was one of the questions I, I did have and was trying to to get around to we've seen the growth in craft breweries the strong ipas and and all that associated sour beers Right, and so we, we, we've had that sort of, that explosion of growth, and it's, I'm not sure how quickly that's still growing, but it seems to me to have stabilized a little bit, and now we're moving into this growth of meteries. Is there a certain ratio you're seeing across this, across the country? Is it uh, certain areas where it's growing better than others? Certainly, in any areas with a, with a denser population, it, it's, it's growing quickly the count of meteries is going to be higher there whether or not that translates into them being able to serve such a large area especially when they're small that probably actually works against them because the more there are the more hype there is the more people that's going to rush to every single one of them and they're probably all just like us very small and so 
having a certain amount of competition is is awesome because it floats everybody's boats, but it'll it'll sink you if you let it, you know, in, in, in certain areas where you have a lot of dense competition. But it's it as I said, it's it's literally everywhere. I know folks that are starting up on Long Island, elsewhere in New York. Um, at the moment, I don't know of any that are starting up elsewhere in New England, but I would not be surprised at all if that's happening. Midwest, Ohio, Michigan, Minnesota, Texas, Texas, Washington, Cal- Oregon, California, California, Colorado. Yeah, I mean it, it's they're it popping up everywhere. I think one of the things that is fueling this that people don't immediately understand until someone explains it for the most part we could almost be delivering anything it doesn't have to be meter cider it would have to be a locally made assume some amount of locally sourced for for anybody that that you know is lives in an area where there's there is some type of agriculture um handcrafted small batch beverage Mm-hmm. And this was cemented for me earlier this year by the economist for the Brewers Association. I sat in on a, a presentation he did, and he actually said that everyone in this room typically thinks they're in the beer business, but that's actually not true. You're in the beverage alcohol business. You're in the, the business of providing drinking age adults with alcohol to consume socially and casually. At that point, it doesn't matter what it is. If you do a good job of it and put a good business and a good marketing plan and a sales team behind it, you're going to sell it. Because it's an activity right now. People see craft beverage as an activity. It's, it's part of their local fabric. They want to see more places open because they're looking for that type of thing. Because there's something in the generation of people from 21 to, I'll go into the 50s, you know. Thank you. <laughs> age groups that we, we see it as a natural fit for our identity. Mm-hmm. We identify ourselves as people who believe that it makes sense to meet and interact and engage with people who make our alcoholic beverages locally. And for us, that I heard that and I'm like, man, this is exactly what we've been thinking. That's the most succinct way I'd been, I'd, I'd ever seen anyone describe it because I had options. I could do beer, I could do wine, I could do mead and or cider. I mean, but I picked these because I was good at them, but how I've decided to deliver it is consistent with what you see going on in craft beverage. We had a tap room. It has a food menu. You have growlers to go. You can get full pints. You can do all the things that people are looking for right now, and I just happen to put meat and cider behind it. You explain it to people, and they immediately get it going, well, yeah, of course that seems obvious. It should be more obvious, but people are still, I think, stuck behind the image that meat has as a will this be successful. I'm not even going to question it because it's not only about the product. It's about what you're actually delivering, the experience that you're delivering, and the fact you have a willing audience. You're people that are looking for this. Yes. Hands down, they're looking for this. I think it's in, 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 and you definitely will understand this. I think a lot of it is, um, it's kind of like how the pubs are over in England and Ireland. I mean, when we've gone to Ireland, like this is what a place where people go and spend time. It's not, it's not a bar. It's, it's a community meeting place that sells alcohol where people go to hang out and have conversations and, that actually is one of the reasons why we were led to do the session meet was because we went to a lot, like everyone around here, because we have so many great mm-hmm. breweries around here. We would go, we would spend our weekends going to different tap rooms and hanging out different tap rooms, talking to the brewers, you know. But the big thing that always stuck with me and I know stuck with Jay was 
there's not a lot of places right now, especially I think in the United States, honestly, where you can go and every it's okay that everyone's just hanging out and talking to each other. It's, you, you know, I like to joke, you're not going to go to an Applebee's bar and sit there and be like, you know, hey, that apple martini looks great. Like, and start up a conversation with someone because people, especially in New England, might think you're a little creepy. <laughs> but when you're in a tap room of a place like this, we have moments when, you know, Jay and I are at the bar and the bar, the, the room is full and it's one conversation with 30 people. And most of them don't know each other. They didn't know each other even minutes earlier. But it, it just happens to be that they feel the community vibe. They feel mm-hmm. the idea that being here, they're they're part of, you know, a, a very diverse extended family that happens to be interested in what's being done here. Who are the people that are doing it here? What are they doing? How are they delivering that to me? And then, you know, you look at a tap list of 10 taps of Meads Insiders that's hard to find anywhere in New England right now. So there's a quality in the product and a value in the experience. Yes. And for that, then I think you have an awesome launching off point to really just chase after every person who who goes out and chooses an, an adult beverage. Come and try these. You'll find an opportunity to fit this in with what you're doing. It, we're not asking anybody to not drink beer. We love beer. We, we, we tend to drink... Less beer than we used to. I actually tend to drink less than I used to overall, only because I mean, we're working all the time. Yeah, we're working all the time, absolutely. <laughs> and while some of it is really nice and refreshing at the end of the day, and speaking of that, I think I'm actually going to stop at backyard and get some to go before I get home. Mm-hmm. But you know that it, it's, um, you know, we we love beer. We don't drink as much wine as we used to, and we would typically drink the local wines because we'd want to see what people were doing with the local fruits because that's that's good R&D for us as, as well. You know, we have winery peers here in the state that use all the same fruits that we use. So to see someone successfully do it and taste what flavor, texture, aromas did they eat out of those fruits, you know, I wonder how they did that. Mm, let's see if we can, you know imbue a beverage of ours with those same characteristics because this was really good. But we're not asking anybody to, to stop drinking any of that stuff. Cocktails as well. I mean, I got a bar full of bottles of bourbon and whiskey. I love <laughs> I love it. Tend to drink more of it in the wintertime, like a lot of people would, mm-hmm. would typically say. So we just think we're, we're a choice. We're an option and one that people really still don't know they have. But well, we're also keen on the little stronger spirits too. That's why that's the second half of the podcast. Sponsored by Burt's Better Beers. Burt's Better Beers is located close to Exit 9 North off I-93 in Hooksett, New Hampshire. They have a large selection of international, national and local beers, ciders and meads. Cans and bottles are individually priced so you can select your own beer tour. Tell Burt you heard about Burt's Better Beers on Hopscotch. I expect you'll get a smile that is never far away. You can call Bert's at 603-413-5992 or visit them through their Facebook presence at facebook.com slash Beers. Also follow Bert on Twitter at twitter.com slash Beers. Their opening hours are Tuesday to Friday, 10 to 8, Monday and Saturday, 10 to 7, Sunday, 11 to 3. 
Bert's Better Beers, stimulating the economy one beer at a time. You were talking about um, seeking out local wines and finding out what they're doing, where you do then start to find the experience of, okay, so from this part of the state, I'm getting grapes that are giving me this flavor profile. And from over here, even though it may be only 40, 50 miles apart, there's so much variety in the, the grape and the ground, what's coming up, how much sun it gets, how much rain it gets. And the fruit crops beyond grapes are really the same way. I mean, we, we have a lot of experience with the ones that come out of Londonderry because mm-hmm. we've chosen to patronize, you know, Sunnycrest, Elwood, Max, because they're close. We can go to the UPIC and where it's a, a beeline of a few miles to our house to get them to the kitchen to get them cleaned up. Why, why wouldn't we do that? Well, and I think the other thing, too, is when we've gone there, and I think it's, is it Elwood's? That you've struck up a little bit of a relationship with them because even when he was you were a home brewer, you he would go and get plums or yeah. or whatever peaches, and he would tell them like this is what I'm using it for. Like I'm not making jam, I'm not making this. Like I'm literally going to ferment your product and make. And, they, and they've offered us ones that were hail damaged and stuff mm-hmm. like that, like because they knew they, they they couldn't put them out at the retail store. But like, hey, by the way, we've got a couple of trays of ones that's got some dents and, and stuff. They're not moldy or anything. Do you want them? And of course, you, you get a slightly better price for it. I'm like, absolutely. So I go home with way more than I was looking for, but bonus for everybody because I'm going to turn it into wine. And they get, they just get really excited. Yeah. He's looped back with them, and he's been like, hey, you know, here's a bottle. Here's a of, bottle. Try, try this. My homebrew that I made, my homebrew, I think it was the plum, wasn't it? The golden plum the wine. The golden yeah. plum wine. And he's like, and the guy was genuinely, I think, a little bit touched by it. Like, you made this really cool thing, and now you're, like, taking the time to come mm-hmm. back and say, your product is really good, and let me make my product, and I hope you think my product is good. Right. We, you know, we, and that's why we're just emphasizing it's another option. It's going to be made from local ingredients when and where they're available, like a lot of other formats, wine, you know, cider in particular. I mean, not that the breweries don't do it, but the majority of their ingredients in any beer are typically not terribly, terribly local. Um, hops and fruit, you know, genu- genuinely can be much more local for them. But we, we want people to see it as an option, but you got to educate them to that point because when you, people hear mead, they, more often than not, they don't really know what to think. They're not completely ignorant. They know what the word means. We've heard they... the, word, the, the, the place Bloodrotty Castle quite a bit. Yep. Um, because people, a lot of people have gone, the only time they've ever had it, because we asked them, have you ever had mead? Yeah, I went to Ireland. I went to Bloodrotty <laughs> Castle. And it's funny because that's actually a flavored white wine, which is so funny because it's not technically actually a mead. <laughs> and people are like, the, what? No, it's not a lot of times though we won't tell them because, you know, it's like it was the, a, they're enchanted by the idea they had mead in a castle. Or they got engaged so, or something like yeah, that. They don't want to well, kill it for them. They got engaged and don't remember it. That's a story with a friend of mine. <laughs> that is one of them. She didn't yeah. know she was getting engaged and she was potting the mead at Bunrata Castle and like literally had to watch the video. Like knew she was engaged but had to watch the video to find out what he said because that's strong stuff. It's fortified wine. Yeah. But well, we, we've had so many people, you know, say to us, I had no idea that it came this way. This is so awesome. The growlers have really been, um, we actually just placed another order for another huge shipment of the 32-ounce growlers. And, and I, I was so pleased to talk to my sales rep today and say, you have no idea how popular they are. I'm ordering these today. You guys aren't going to be able to get them to us fast enough. We're probably going to run out. 
And it just, we, we thought we had enough and last weekend was ridiculous and we went through way more than we had in, in maybe the prior two weeks. Um, so I'm running late to be able to pull this off, but that's such an affirmation that it's working. People like to take it to go because they're having fun. They see it as a valid option. They open the freezer refrigerator and see a growler of meat in there and it's not, there's nothing unusual or strange about it at all anymore. Something else I found that it, um, it also keeps better a little longer because it's not as heavily carbonated as right. as beers so it doesn't go that flat sensation of you know the to quote wallace and gromit the bounce hasn't gone from its bungee <laughs> it's closer to flat to start so there isn't as much of a difference and flat beer we generally are going to drink oh, we're going to dump that out just because it doesn't taste good without the carbonation in it the meat tastes different but it doesn't taste off typically Right. So, it, you know, that it, it, it does have a bit of that advantage that even after three or four days of having had open a couple times, you can pour a glass of it and have a pretty close experience. Yes, you, have to get, you have to be like one of our patrons who is also a higher low fan. Um, he, his name is Nick. Shout out to <laughs> Nick. Um, he would come in every week and um, for like two or three weeks in a row he came in. And he would get two small 32s of higher love and one 64. So finally, by like the third or fourth week, I'm like, Nick, I, I, I have to know, like, what is the method to your madness? I'm not, ju- we're a judgment-free zone. But, but three growlers this, are the same thing. It seems like unique. <laughs> like, we've had people come in and they'll get three of the same thing and smaller ones, but it's because they're going to like three parties or once for their, I want my uncle to try it. But he was drinking them. And he goes, oh, he goes, that's simple. The two small ones are for the weekdays and the 64 is for Saturday. Because he, what he realized was he could open it on Monday, have a pint, have the second pint out of the 32 on Tuesday, then open the next 32 on Wednesday, have the second pint on Thursday, go without on Friday, and then, you know, Saturday he has, you know, his 64 and he can drink it throughout the weekend. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it works. It, it absolutely does work. does work. And, I mean, that was so it was so interesting to hear that someone felt like it was an obvious option for them. They liked it enough that knowing that they were a craft beer fan, you know, we met Nick at Leatherman's um, probably a year and a half ago, and knowing that he's a craft beer fan, that this was an option for him that he saw as completely logical to have it available in his refrigerator so that he knew it was nice and fresh. You know, we we, we asked him, can you just tell every, can you tell the world that? Because that's really all we're trying to do is, is help people drink more mead as a, an option if they're gonna go out and drink stuff especially when you can do fun things like it, like what we've done with them. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's actually a neat option that people don't know they have and then are kind of sad that it took so long for someone to do it because they're like, this, I, I wish I knew this was available. And it's like, well, I mean, it, we're working on it. <laughs> yeah, no. We're here. We're here now. Yeah, so. it's, it's, yeah, it's been, it's funny too when people who love mead come in here and they haven't really ever had a session mead. Um, and then at first, I think both of us were like, we don't know what they're going to think. Because if they're coming in and they really love standard mead, we don't have any yet. We're going to have some soon. But um, we don't know what they're going to think of the session mead. And they love it, which is a pleasant. It's, we're very happy about that because people who love mead are passionate about mead. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that made me laugh was, I think it was the third, fourth week we were open, there was a gentleman who came in here with his friends and they were all mead drinkers. And he insisted on ordering for all of his friends because he liked coming up to the bar and saying, can I have a pint of mead? 
because it was like such a unique experience. He's like, I just like the way that sounds. May I have another pint of mead? And I'm like, you can have another pint of mead. <laughs> because they're, I think even they were really happy that they found an option where they can come, they can try many different things. They can have a flight just like their beer loving, craft beverage beer loving friends. You can have a flight. That happens a lot here is mm-hmm. people who who always we've had people come in they're like oh i always watched my husband or my wife who loves beer i've always watched them do a flight at a brewery and thought oh that looks like so much fun trying all those different things but i'm not a beer drinker and now i have a place that i can come to and it is a lot of fun like mix and matching and trying different stuff and i think it's not only opening up me to a whole new audience of people i think it's opening up this type of experience to other people who normally wouldn't be able to have it whether it's because they're not beer drinkers because they don't like beer or they're they're, they're or what they do drink isn't offered at, at, in a flight format because yeah. some beverages like if you really like whiskey for example not yet although there is a whiskey bar that is going in on Elm Street there really isn't a place around here that you can go routinely and be able to order a different flight of whiskeys. You know, mm-hmm. the, the house doesn't have enough depth to offer you too many variations on the, you know, say a flight of four of even one ounces or two ounces or whatever you're gonna do. But undoubtedly, us doing it with this beverage probably puts pressure on that. So that maybe, you know, for anybody who's listening, maybe that's the next great idea in Southern New Hampshire is a whiskey bar that where you you every whiskey that you can get in the state of New Hampshire. And lean on the liquor commission to you know to let more of them in the state, right? And you know, and that way you put together a whiskey bar because you want people to be able to have that experience. They love aged, barrel aged, you know, alcohol, and they want to try different ones. There's also other ones like there's um, in Austin. There's the Still Austin Clear whiskeys, so it's a much shorter lead in time to right. prepping the product and being able to present it than having to wait the right. you know, 10 years mm-hmm. to be able to say, okay, here, finally, thanks for right. waiting, everybody. Here's our whiskey. That seems to be a way for new right. distillers to be able to come into that market and be able to present something new. must have been 2016 I went on an event called Taste Camp and it was actually in Vermont and at one of the tastings they the Whistle Pig distillery was there and they had been over the, the prior years they'd been working on an estate source for their grains and they had finally made enough and were able to blend a couple different batches together that they felt was worthy of an experience to share with people and it was very young and very green it absolutely was but it was very neat to try it because it was from grain they grew in Vermont mm-hmm. so that they had, you know, and they had made these, these white whiskeys and had done the shortest amount of barrel aging in some cases that they could have pulled off to be able to do that. So it was, you know, blend, part blend, part aged. Some of the blends had been aged um, and it was very neat to try. And you could kind of see where if someone had varied ingredients, now they'd be able to offer you multiple vari- variations of that, some with age, some without, and they would all be different. And you truly could have that variety experience, which what a flight really is designed to give you the opportunity mm-hmm. to do at any place where you would try it. And I support trying different whiskeys side by side. <laughs> I did it frequently in Ireland. Yeah. And it was fantastic. Uh-huh. And uh, we did go to one place, which, uh, Telemernu, 
Yes, we and did they, we did do a here, flight. Yeah. We did do a flight there, and that was a fantastic experience. Well, that's one of the reasons for my doing this is because there's so much to try, and right. it gives an opportunity to go around and go. Okay, what do I have in this one little area? I mean, there's here's a brewery. Is there a distillery nearby? So there is. Yeah. You right. know, maybe a little distance away, but yes, there is. Um, I think it was interesting in New Hampshire, there was the debate about whether or not to allow home distilling of spirits that I think failed. Yeah, um, it's, it's not legal here in New Hampshire. To, I, I, to it's actually, I don't think it's legal anywhere because it, of the not. federal government. But yeah. the, it then leads to the question, I mean, how are people going to get the experience they need outside of working for a major distillery to be able to set up their own business on that? Because yeah. there's no way of getting your own learning in and in the way that you did where you can you know spend 15 years beating the heck out of fruit until you find right things that work we've asked that question to people and and you in they are rightfully sheepish in providing an answer because we all know what the answer is 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 that they most certainly have to use a squishy read of the law if you will in order to be able to pull that off because how do you prototype a product that you're going to launch commercially if you don't have the ability to do it. So it, it is it is a very interesting area. Um, and I think we're going to see more distilleries open here in New Hampshire. We're seeing it already. I mean, Duare down in Derry just got permitted today. So they're 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 gonna be furiously working away. Andy, Andy Day and Alana Wentworth. And Alana Wentworth who own Cask and Mine. Originally um, owned a drinkery yeah. um, in Londonderry in the basement of the original Tupelo Music Hall. They subsequently opened another one in Derry. The Tupelo moved, and they decided to ramp down both of the stores and focus on Cask and Mine and a bunch of other events, including Dairy After Dark uh, mm-hmm. Festival in September. And Duare has been their their project of attention recently. And I just saw their Facebook feed today that they were permitted, so they're licensed to, to start producing alcohol. So they'll get to work working on that. And, and they're also uh, partnered with uh, Feral Perlica. From originally from originally White from White Birch. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so, so it's it, the three of them working together. And the space, I believe, is right next to Cask right and Cask and Vine. So we'll see more distilleries because there's an interest in the medium, but their community engagement model is, again, and anybody who's listening, their community engagement model is the same as what you see in craft beer. It's the same exact. That's how you build and execute your business. Same thing. And they have an even more interesting collaborative opportunity barrel swaps send barrels out after you're done with them to local breweries meaderies wineries then take them back and your next runs are going to be unique so they have a huge huge opportunity any of the distilleries in the state have this opportunity to work with the local craft beverage scene to be able to do barrel aging projects where what you end up creating Nobody else is going to be able to do it. No two companies, no other two companies are going to be able to partner and hit that exactly the way it is. <laughs> so, you know, it's... It's an interesting time in New Hampshire. It Very is. much so. I agree. Yeah. I mean, we, we do have, we have an obvious complaint that we can't get a lot of things that are made elsewhere in the United States here in New Hampshire compared to other states. A lot of people travel to Maine, Mass, Vermont to pick up brands that they can't get here in the state. Um, that's a story worthy of exploration to understand the root of it. And once you do, you know, you realize that it's, uh, it's how liquor is orient, organized and controlled in the state is, is one of the you know, areas where there's bars that are set that some people choose not to, to 
to leap over to be able to do that. It does make it amusing when we do get something new. So I know, like, I, everywhere all I hear is everyone's all excited that Sip of Sunshine's finally available in New mm-hmm. Hampshire. It's like big doings in the beer community. That it's available here, but so, like, I mean, I none of us have been starting for it. We've all had it. <laughs> we, we've all gotten it whenever we wanted to. I think it's more right? like, you know, I don't have to pay my brother a premium for in all his gas and food expenses so he can right. drive to Vermont and get me a case. <laughs> so I'll let you know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody yeah. that's, that's passing through there on the way back from somewhere Correct. you know putting the call out on facebook like hey i'm driving to vermont <laughs> who want, you know who needs something you know and, and while i think we what we say and how we're describing our experience absolutely is on the side of choice and variety we, we absolutely are that that's what we exude that's our business model but i guess being the law being what it is in new hampshire what i would like consumers to understand is yes there are constraints Yes, it's worth being upset about them if your favorite thing isn't available. But check out what we're actually making here in New Hampshire because until some of us are big enough, it isn't available anywhere else. Drink so your you, special thing yeah, in your you state have that no an one advantage else can get. Right. Because you can drink New Hampshire products that aren't available anywhere else. The, the sips of sunshine in New Hampshire that haven't reached beyond the state of New Hampshire, which there are plenty, plenty of examples of that, should be the thing that you're that you're thinking about because you can get. Yeah, go to Backyard Brewery and get Swipe Right Mm -hmm. or Lazy Days, you know. And while you're there, try that poutine. Yeah. Oh, we just had that on Friday. Oh, Saturday so night. With the pulled pork on it? Oh, we yeah. did not get the pulled pork. Because we got the trailer we park nachos as well. Because we got the trailer so. park nachos, and it was like, you know, double pork situation. post tapper <laughs> eating, you know, trailer park nachos are usually my go-to, just because I, I love the way they taste after a long day yeah, of working. Yeah, we, we always tell you, so we're on, Saturdays we're open 11 to 7. So yes. we're here at 10, and we're probably leaving at, what, like 8? And um, we love the guys at Backyard Brewery. The owners, uh, Marcus and Joya, are fantastic people. And it's huge a very supporters. good place to go to. Yep, and they're, it's a nice environment. The beers are really good. Paul St. Ange is a brewery, he's a friend of ours. And they've had us on tap. And so we, we stop there every every Saturday night. And we, we always say to each other, like, today's the Saturday that we're actually going to eat something while we're working. It never happens. So by the time we get there, the two of us are like to the you know to the waitress we're as nice as possible. Bring but, all the appetizers. But in time we're thinking. Inside we're thinking like put the food on the table and move away quickly. <laughs> and maybe a bigger table. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. Can we have a table for four? It's only two of us though. Yeah, <laughs> it's always let's go to backyard and eat all the things. That's what we say when we, when we close up for the night. But there's lots of other interesting pieces of our story. One that's been we've talked about quite a bit recently. Um, is we we are a family business. Um, we are in the process of, of doing what we need to do to actually hire taproom staff. And the first person is actually going to be Margo's niece. So we actually are... are Who well, I think was here when you came. My niece, Natalie, I think was the I one believe, that was yes. helping yes. Yes. So yep. I know we, we're, we're certainly making a step where we can truly say it's a family business beyond our family unit since since it was anyway, but um, to hire some, some additional family members. We also have another interesting family wrinkle as well is that we're actually powered by uh, my fraternity, Alpha Theta, from, from Plymouth State College. So Steve, um, otherwise known as Doc Jones of, of Litherman's Limited, um, is a fraternity brother of mine. And okay. we reconnected over beer judging. We actually met 
in the parking garage in Nashua heading into Martha's Exchange <laughs> for beer judging. And I'm like, Steve, what are you doing here? I'm a certified beer judge. I'm like, I'm working on it too. We hadn't realized that we were homebrewers. We had been homebrewing. He lived in Concord. We lived very close to each other. He had had some of my homebrew beer in 2007, we think. And the timeline of who might have started, because I started years earlier than that, like we... I, he doesn't recall telling me too much about what he had been doing at the time, and then he really got into it after that. So he's been a huge resource for us, and obviously his, his partner, uh, you know, Mike there has been very helpful. And then at Litherman's, I've reconnected with some fraternity brothers, including connecting with some that I didn't know when I was there. And one of them, Dave, now works here with us um, as my production assistant. So Let's we'll use works in quotation Yeah, it works. We both work. <laughs> he volunteers. He volunteers. So. <laughs> but, you know, so that, that's been really cool. We've A number of my fraternity brothers come in fairly regularly. Um, my family, someone in my family yep. is usually sitting at the bar at some so, point. I actually say I mean, see more of them now than I did before. <laughs> well, now you can provide them with an incentive to come visit. Right, right, yeah. And they have to pay for it, too, which is really cool oh for us, because that changed that changed things dramatically. I think they just like the fact that I have to wait on them, personally. Yeah, probably. I think that's, that's a lot of it. So, so we you know, definitely have a, a, you know, a family at the core of this community, and it's kind of neat when, when those people are in here, because they know more about what we're doing. You know, Natalie and Dave, you know, really know the most about what we're doing here of, of, of anybody in those respective families. Um, you know, so Natalie, when she catches up with other family members, you know, she can talk about all the cool things that she's doing with us. And mm-hmm. Dave went up to the Greek reunion this weekend up at Plymouth and he took samples and, and was talking us up and everything. Um, you know, and, and, you know, Dave and I work out back in the mornings and blast blues music. You know, that's, that's another thing. That's always where, a good thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, we're, we, we can agree on that and wholeheartedly. And I, I we're always constantly, we're always looking for Amazon stations that have, you know, blues music so we can play while we're, we're working out back. And it's always interesting where we're thinking about songs and where did we hear it first or what movie was it in or, you know, what does it make us think of? And, you know, in, whether it's traditional blues or, or, bands that have a reputation for you know being bluesy in that regard or some nice olivia newton john yeah so you know and and that's the pop culture references we do a lot with movies i mean you know if you look over my shoulder there's a poster for the movie the warriors Mm -hmm. which most people have never heard of before and it's a perfect example of a of a bad bad horrible 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 movie that's just so awesome that you have to watch it like you have to see it and if it resonates with you you'll watch it over and over again and totally ignore the fact that it's horrible and it's funny because we've had one of those conversations we had where it was like the whole room was people who had seen the warriors explaining to the half a room that hadn't seen the warriors why the warriors was awesome and they all needed to see it so that was pretty funny (laughs) and the pop culture infusions are are making their way into product names that mean lone star lemonade that came from space balls and we use that Spaceballs memes and stuff for the promotion of it, you know, the week before the launch. And when people tell them that it really caught their attention because they laughed. You know, and they, they said, it kept one girl, woman, she's like, I had to come in and try it because it kept showing up in my feed. And every time I saw it, I laughed. So I figured I had to come in and try it. You know, we've got stuff coming up with Days and Confused. So, I mean, I remember the first time the Sweet Emotion from Aerosmith came on out back. Uh-huh. I literally dropped what I was doing, went over to the, to the speakers and cranked it up and went back. And it was just like, oh, I love this. It's still the opening to Days and Confused. It's so awesome. Awesome. Dave looks at me. He goes, minus all the drugs, that was high school for me. That's awesome. I love this. And, you know, you just you have that connection where you, you're 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 each living different personal experiences for mm-hmm. it. But it, you're it's linked up like you, you just immediately kind of get each other like, oh, this is going to be fun. And we got back to work and the music was blasting and it was awesome. So we do that every day. I mean, 
when I have those days where everything goes well, I would agree with people who say that if you love what you don't love what you do, you don't really work because some of those days we're, we're having a lot of fun. It doesn't really look like work. I look like I worked later because I'm laying <laughs> flat on the couch, but um, that's the side I get to. Yeah, and we and we tell people if the mop buckets <laughs> if the mop buckets dry, we probably didn't work. So if you really want to find out if we worked, look and see if the, the mop buckets wet, because that's pretty much what I do at the end of every day is mop the floor. So it's been overall, it's been a really yeah. really awesome experience, and to have people that come in here week after week and. It's to me, it's thinking that these are people we never would have known mm-hmm. um, if we hadn't opened the business. And now it's to the point where, I mean, we had some of our regular customers. We One day I was talking to them about canning and how we don't have time to can anymore. And the next time they came in, they brought me in a bag of pickles they had canned, like <laughs> their stuff that they had canned. Yep. We have one patron who was our very first official customer after our soft opening June and she comes in and she buys growlers of our stuff and then she bakes with it and then she brings us in samples of what she She's baked. brought in breads, donuts, cookies, brownies, cupcakes. cupcakes. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. So that part to me is like the, making the meat is fun and serving the meat is fun. But I think finally seeing the community that we envisioned when we opened the place kind of gel mm-hmm. and have them start to know each other. I mean, we have people who know that such and such like Dennis is going to be here on Friday. And then when he walks in, the other people who are always here on Friday, it's like Norm from Cheers. They're like, Dennis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're all looking around like, okay, who's moving left or right and giving Dennis a seat at the bar to hang out with us. And you know, th- that's been great. People get comfortable with here and they come they know what they want to order you go and place their order and they're they're off having a great time they will absolutely let us know when they need something from us but they're there to hang out with their friends and have a good time and we look at each other going mission accomplished i mean we, yeah. we've done we've provided that place for yet another group you, of people. you brewed the catalyst Yes, that's a good way to put it. Thank you. That's a very good way to put it. We did. I've been working on that thought for half an hour. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Well, it's, you have a lot of time to think when Jason's talking. So, oh, okay. You know, so we're going to go that. there, are we? <laughs> I see. I see. Okay, interesting. I'm going to cut this down to about 15 minutes, but all of a sudden, done. I'm kidding. Most of this is going to go in as is. Other thing I think we should uh, just briefly at least mention is that while everything here that you have is on tap, you do have some products that are available elsewhere because you guys are not open 24-7 yet. Yes, right. as, Jay, <laughs> yet. <laughs> uh, yeah. as Jay touched on, we are indeed a family business. Um, so I am still working full time uh, in doing this. And um, so the one day that we really decided our agreement going into this, you should all, any husband and wife or husband and husband, or wife and wife, starting a business together, this is my advice. Have a little bit of an agreement of upfront of what's like not negotiable. And we just decided um, that Sundays are our day. Mm-hmm. Um, you need not only to relax, but also to do crazy things like laundry and grocery shopping and, you know, pay bills. Uh, so we're Mop all, the floor. Yeah, mop the floor at home. Uh, so we're open on uh, Thursdays and Fridays from 4 to 8, and then Saturdays 11 to 7. We are very lucky that um, we had some people contact us pretty early on about carrying our products in bottles. Um, so now we have four products that are available in bottles, and they're available at eight, still eight. Yep. Eight so, different bottle shops in New Hampshire. Craft Beer Cellar, Flight Center, Beer Store, 
Burt's Better Beers. You may have heard of that. Yeah, you might have heard of Burt's Better Beers. You I, might know him. Yeah. He's, he's, a big de- he's a big deal around here. Uh, the he's pa- the biggest deal around here. <laughs> and he he was the first one who ever told us that he had shelf space for us. So we, we, that is we very true. are very happy mm-hmm. to have. For uh, years, he kept he would go up to Jake BFD yeah. meetings and be like, whenever you're ready, that shelf space waiting for you. So. But uh, the Packy, which is here in Manchester, they're relatively new. They're actually so many I should make year. a note for English listeners that um, when you hear in New England the Packy, what it actually is short for is the package store right. where you can buy beer, cigarettes, wine, and so on. And they the, named theirs the Packy, which is, is a bit of a misnomer because they're craft beverage only. They're not a, a convenience store in that classical sense. But it's, of course, a catchy name because it's what we all call the package store. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like having the, there was a candy bar over here called the Whatchamacallit. Which uh, is one of my favorite candy bars. Is that still around? I haven't oh, yeah. You have to hunt for it, but I okay. buy many when I find them. <laughs> Let's see, where else? Uh, Greg and Jane's out in Epping, the East Dairy General Store. Oh, did you say the Flight Center? Did say yeah. the Flight Center. I feel like I'm missing somebody. Uh, Lazy Dog Deer Shop in London Dairy. If I've missed you, I apologize. We'll make it up to you the next time. You just need to sell more of his product. Right. True. <laughs> um, so, but we've also been on tap. Uh, Backyard Brewery um, carried us for most of April and May. And they're um, here in Manchester. They're literally, Jay, t- Jay measured it. Eight, three quarters of a mile. Three quarters of a mile up the street from us. And I also understand you have a tap on at Great North as well. We do. Yep. Uh, Rob they, and Lisa are, again, BFD members. Um, huge supporters of us. Uh, very encouraging. Um, Lisa has, in some ways, been my therapist <laughs> <laughs> on more than one occasion. Am I crazy for doing this? Yes, you are, but do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, they have us. This is the second time, I think. Third time. Third time they've yep. had us as a guest tap over there. So, and they actually got exclusive external access to Lone Star Lemonade. They did get some of it, and it's been a, a smash hit over there as well. I believe what Lisa said is it's dangerous to have those kegs around yeah. her. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> when we're not open, the bottle shops are the best way to go right now. Uh, the Flight Center has us on tap. I think both of those will probably be waning at this point. Um, so, the bottle shops will be the best opportunity. But keg accounts are going to tick up again next month. We, we, we're on pause because we were seeing growth, the, the kind of growth that we, everyone would want us to have and expect us to have, and being strategic about how we handle it um, meant that we needed to, to put a hold on new keg accounts, but we've got several new accounts to fire up next month, and we'll have more keg accounts. There'll be more places you'll be able to go when we're not open Sunday through Wednesday to, to get our, our product, whether on tap or in, in, in bottles. And I would say that one of the coolest experiences we've had so far, like one of those like it paid off moments was the first time that we saw ourselves on top somewhere. And that was a backyard. <laughs> yep. And it, we walked in and we turned around and they have like the wooden signs that list out their beers. And there we were. And it was like the two of us, it was pretty awesome. We're like, we, we, we did it. <laughs> there is that moment when you see something that you have done in the hands of somebody else. Yep. When you see a, like Burt's Better Beers post a photo of mm-hmm. your product, you know, and say new in stock. That's it's it's those are pretty cool moments. And when you do that in enough places and enough of them put it on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook, that accounts that you haven't gotten to yet actually call. And then you ask, how did you find out about us? Because of all of the craft bottle shops that we follow that keep posting pictures with your bottles in them. And we would like to have them too. <laughs> so we're like, yes, we can do that. Uh, right now we don't have anything to sell you, but yes, we can do that. So it it's um, that viral aspect of it with with getting out. Um, 
and, and getting the product out there has been really cool to see too because it, it's growing itself because people are buying it. People are calling back to find out, um, and unfortunately right now, what we don't have uh, to sell them. And, and so that means we're queuing people up for the next round, which is great because we know that we have demand. We definitely geek out over like some of the stuff that happens, like the, our first farmer's market. Because we'd been, we talked like years ago when we would go to Vermont. His parents had a vacation house in Vermont and you'd go to farmer's markets up there and there'd be, there was this guy that was always selling his wine and, you know, Jay would be like, it's going to be us one day. We're going to do that one day. And we had our first farmer's market a few weeks ago and we're going to be there in Derry, Derry mm-hmm. Artisan and Farmer's Market. We sold out. Um, we're bringing more product. Uh, we'll be there the 4th of July. Um, and then for me, a big moment that I actually got like nerd, such an, I nerded out so much I got emotional was um, the mayor of the city of Manchester came and did our ribbon cutting. So oh, I'm from Manchester and I grew up in Manchester. The, you know, what, what did I say? Third generation Manchesterite, um, even though we live in Londonderry now. But for me to have like my business, like have the mayor there, that was pretty, that was pretty cool. That's dream come true. Bucket list. <laughs> Bucket list. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Probably wrap it up here. There's, I think, still more of the story to be told, but we've talked for an hour and a quarter, almost nonstop, and thank you both for that. It was um, It did. It's a lovely story. It's a beautiful place. I love coming back here. Um, thank you. I, I'm not sure how many times I've been here now, but I'm starting to become, at least in my own mind, a regular. You are. Yeah, you absolutely. No, are. I think you're probably one week away from us wondering what when we don't see you where you are. Yes. We, we have several people. It, it takes, a, <laughs> it takes like three regular. or four weeks. Yeah, and, and, and we've actually had some now that they've actually messaged us on Wednesday saying, hey, we're actually going to be away. Don't worry. <laughs> we're okay. We'll see you the following week. Because they're it, here every week. And, and they really know funny. that we're looking forward to seeing them because just there's there's the week's events to catch up on. There's the jokes to be had. There's the new products to, 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 to gush over and whatnot. And they just want to let – everything's fine. Don't worry about us. We know we're going to miss you. Yeah, but. so you're like a week away from that. Okay. You know, come in like one or two more times. We'll get to that point. Where and then we'll like, miss. Okay. And then when you said you were going to be away in in August, we're like, oh, where is oh, everything's okay? Where is he? So, <laughs> and, I mean, and that's such a cool. It's such a cool thought that you've made friends with so many people that you have a regular standing appointment with them. Like you know that at some point over the weekend that as long as they're not away or don't have all of the thousands of other plans that they could certainly have, that they're going to, they're going to come in and they're going to they put you as a fixed point right. on that schedule. And yes, we, and we love it because cool. we we're going to hear the stories of their week, you know, the, 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 the jokes about the family, the friends and all the other things that they're doing that just makes life fun. And you know, you're going to hear that from them and, and it's, it's enriching because you just, you get to laugh about it because we all have that. Yeah. We all have it, and, and it's fun to, to hear it being bantered about in the tap room. Um, and you just wonder, did people think that was what was going to happen when they started showing up here? I'm sure for most people, they weren't sure because they didn't know what we were all about. And they realized that, well, they're not really all about something that is exclusive to us. It's actually, inc- we're included in it. Mm-hmm. We're, we're kind of all about each other, and, and that's fun because... Like we said, we've had people get to know each other here, and then they come back together. And we're looking at them with the slanted eye going, wait a minute, you guys didn't know each other previously, right? They're like, no, we met here. Awesome. Okay. So cool. 
I'm just waiting for the first proposal. Yeah, we'll have one, I'm sure. I'm sure we'll have one, right? I mean, yeah. We met at the Ancient Fire Tap Room three months ago, and now we're going to get You just remember married. you need to get it on video so the drunk one can remember what was actually yeah. said. Right? Exactly. Maybe we'll have to recreate that. Maybe we could get them to recreate yeah. that. That would be even funnier. Bring it full so. circle. Well, thank you for having us on. This oh, was it was a, a pleasure. It's been absolutely my pleasure. There's a lot in this. We're, we're, we're store, our story is, is still completely unwritten. We've, we know we're writing a lot, and there's a lot to say about it, and a lot has happened in almost five months. We've been open like four months and three weeks or so, and there's so <laughs> much more story um, that's, that's going to be written, and we just want people to come and be part of it because we're having fun doing it. We want them to be here with us. Come join the party. Come Absolutely. join the party. That's in a lot of ways. That's what we're here for. Have fun. All right. Well, thank you both. Thank you. With that, we hope that you've enjoyed this episode and the others in the series, and you can find out more information about these locations. You can visit us at hopscotchpodcast.com. On SoundCloud, we are at https colons forward slash forward slash soundcloud.com forward slash hopscotchpodcast or via your favorite podcast app as hopscotch... Caught me out, tongue twister. Or via your favorite podcast app as hopscotch podcast. Look for that gray logo. And on Twitter, we are at at hopscotch podcast because that podcast has a missing a thanks to twitter's character limits <laughs> we're also on google play now as well and spotify all good fun and with that thank you so much for listening a very good night to you awesome.